Thank you for taking time out of your week to join us for Coastal's online experience. We pray that this message will bring you hope and joy in your life. If you'd like to get to know more about us, please check out our Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to stay connected with you. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, please share your story at mystory@coastalcommunity.tv. Thanks again for spending time with us. Enjoy this week's message. Hey guys, y'all doing good this morning? Well, look, I'll say this, that I like a little energy. I like a little feedback. I just had a double shot of espresso implanted into my body. And so I'm ready to go. So what I want us to do real quick is I want us to turn around and I want us to high five just two people. We're in the no snob zone, no snob zone. Just kind of high five a couple of people. Say, what's up? Welcome to church this morning. Hey, uh, well, you know, um, as Shayla was saying, uh, my name is Charles, and I'm a Louisiana boy that um, doesn't know a whole lot of nothing. You know, I barely made it out of high school. D stands for diploma. Hello. And, uh, and no, but I want you to know, y'all have some amazing, amazing pastors. Pastor TJ and Shayla. Such a heart, man, such a heart just to reach not only uh, this community, but communities literally around the world and, and changing communities and changing the DNA and changing the, the mindset of people. And it's because that they're so madly in love with Jesus and that they really, truly, truly care to see people grow to their potential. And so why don't we give it up for uh, t- Pastor TJ and Shayla? And, uh, you know, my, I, have a, I have a wife who is beautiful. She was actually at the last service at the, the other location. I'm not really sure what that is called. But um, she, is, she was there, and she, uh, she really is my rock. You know, we have three kids, uh, a little girl who um, she, 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 she knows that she owns the place, uh, and two boys that um, will let you know what's up. And, uh, and so we have a great family. I love my family. Uh, but we've had, some, we've had some hard times in our life. We've had the voices in our heads. And I, and I believe that today, um, I really want to unpack something to you today to really help you get through those voices. And so before we jump into it, I just want to pray. Because it's not my words, but it's the, the words of the Spirit of the Father, Father that is going to penetrate those hearts. And so, Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your life. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to be here. God, and I pray right now that as we begin to listen to your word that is alive and active, God, that it would open up the hearts and minds of every single person in this room. Father, that it would help to mold us and shape us and and redirect who we are. And God, we give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Hey, y'all got a cool setup in here, man. This is, this, I've never preached in a movie theater before, but I like it. You know, if you've never felt like you've made it in the big time and on the big screen, I feel pretty important right now. Like, I feel, I'm going to give y'all a movie. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Hey, well, uh, you know, my wife, or, uh, I'm from Louisiana, uh, born and raised there. So I'm a diehard LSU fan. So go Tigers. And so, um, yeah, so, um, you know, you know, it was an act of God whenever he moved us to plant a church at the University of Florida. Um, Jesus knew that they needed some help. So he sent a Cajun boy over there to let them know that Jesus loves them. 
And so, um, so we planted a church about two months ago. And just to kind of give you a little idea of where we're located, uh, we're right on University Avenue, right across the street from the swamp. We're directly smushed in between two frat houses. One of the frat houses was actually banned from UF campus because of how crazy they are, and I love it. So this camp, this frat house, um, it's called the Pike House. If you've never, never, if you're from there, you know who I'm talking about. They do, do this deal called Tide Slide. They block off the streets. They put slip and slides down the road. I mean, they have people that are walking in, girls, and in, in, it looks like they got band-aids on because there's really not a whole lot of anything covering them. Uh, guys that are running around just riding on a surfboard down this slip and slide, and here I am, smashed right in between craziness. So what do I do? I put on my Speedo, and I put an S on my chest, and I say, let's slide, baby. And so, I'm just kidding. And so, uh, a block down the road is where all the clubs are, where all the bars are. So we're literally right in the heart and right in between where all the action goes down. And I couldn't, I couldn't have prayed to be in a better place. I love it. Like, it, it fuels me to know that I am in the middle of chaos, and I love it. Well, two months ago, we launched the campus. About a month prior to that, we're over there, and we're setting up the lights, and we're putting the sound in, and we're doing all this stuff, prepping to get everything ready for the, the campus launch. And it's on a Friday night at about 10 o'clock at night. Well, how many of y'all... I mean, I know you're ex-clubbers and partiers, but how many of y'all know around 10 o'clock is kind of when people start kind of getting going? And so, uh, so I walk outside. We have the doors wide open. We got music blaring and bumping, and I walk outside in the parking lot, and as soon as I walk out of the doors, I look over in the parking lot, and they have this, this kid over there who is just bent over, just spewing everywhere. And I'm like, dog, it's 10. You got a long night ahead of you, bro. So I said, hey, in Jesus' name, and I just sent him a prayer from afar. I look on the street right in front of our parking lot, and there's this car that is parked on the street. The windows are not tinted. But they have this couple that decides they want to go ahead and get jiggy with it right there on the street in front of everybody so everybody can see it. I look over at the dumpster in our parking lot, and they have a group of guys that are just toking up the Chiba, baby. They're just going to town, doing what they do. And I thought to myself, Jesus, you brought me out of New Orleans, you brought me off of Bourbon Street, and you planted me right smack dab back in the middle of it. Thank you. So I walk in, I kind of look around, check it all out. All right, everybody's alive, we're good, don't need to call the cops, everything's great. Walk back inside and I look at the guys that were there with me helping to set it all up and I said, hey bro, you will never guess what just happened. And I begin to tell them, man, they got people getting it on on the street. They got a dude puking in the parking lot, a couple of guys smoking weed at the dumpster. Man, I cannot believe. That nobody has walked into this building yet. Ten seconds after I say that. They have these two girls stumbling in the building, taking selfies. Woohoo! Yeah! Hey! Selfie Snapchat. Hey, Mom! I'm at church. 
and they look at us and they say, hey, do you work here? I'm no lie. Leaves in their hair, branches in their hair, all skin up. I'm like, where have y'all been? They say, do you work here? I said, no, we don't. And I am not the pastor, nor do I want to know who you are. They said, well, good, because I just peed in your bushes. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, do you need a wet wipe? Anything, I don't know. So I, I go and I kind of do my thing, and, and they walk in the church, and one of the girls comes straight over to the keyboard. She starts playing Titanic. Near, far, come on, sing it. Wherever you, I can't sing. She's playing Titanic. I secretly think that she thought Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio was right there. I think she was serenading him. The other person is on her hands and knees. She's got a dustpan in one hand and a broom in the other just scooping. Just cleaning it up, cleaning the floor up, sweeping the floor. This chick's playing Titanic. I look at Ben and Garrett. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? They're like, she's cleaning the floor. Let her clean. I'm like, good point. So I let her clean the floor. I climb up on the ladder and I kind of am undoing some wires and different things that we're trying to like tidy up. And as I'm up on the ladder, this girl finishes hanging out with Leo, comes over to the ladder and says, excuse me. Yes. Um, hypothetically speaking, is it okay if an atheist comes to your church? I said, well, this is going to be an awkward conversation. Hang on, I'm coming. So I come down the stairs and I sit down with her and I say, well, hypothetically speaking, I would much rather an atheist come to our church than some religious person who knows everything. Uh, so yes, I would much rather you be here. Actually, we start in uh, two weeks, five o'clock. Just meet us here. I'll send you the information. Done. It goes from her playing Titanic to her sitting down in front of me weeping hysterically. I look at Ben and Garrett, I say, it's going to be a long night, dog. I don't even know what's about to happen. This girl sitting down, she begins to tell me her life story. She began to say, you know what? At one time, I was so involved in the church. You know, I used to be on the worship team, and I used to sing, and I used to, to play the piano, and I, I was a part of the church. And my family, we would go to church every single weekend together and we served together. We, it was kind of what we did as a family and I loved it. I loved being a part of it. And then one day my mom comes home and she's leaving my father. And she's getting a divorce from my dad to be with another woman. And she said, I didn't know what to do. So I thought to myself, if I can just go and speak to somebody that I, that I know that will give me some positive feedback and, and speak life into me, and I know if I can just go to my pastor and he can begin to lift me up and help me in this journey, then, then I'll be able to be okay. And she sets up this meeting with her pastor and she goes and sits down before him and she says, you know what, I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to get through this situation in my life. You know, my mom and dad are getting a divorce and I don't really know what to do. I, I, I'm kind of torn. I, I don't know if I should be upset or be okay. And she starts to tell him what's going on. And, you know, my mom is leaving my dad to be with another woman and he stops her right there. 
And he begins to point at her and say that, I want you to know that your mother's going to hell because of what she's doing. And a matter of fact, you're going to be cursed too. And she's telling me this information with tears running down her face. And I stopped her and I said, I want you to know something. I said, I want to apologize right now on behalf of the church and on behalf of that pastor. Because Jesus does not speak to people like that. Jesus wants you to know right now that He loves your mother, that He loves you, that He doesn't look at them any different. And I began to speak life into her because someone that she trusted began to speak negative voices in her head and she's never been back to church since. And I sat there and I prayed for her and I invited her to church and I try to stay connected with her as much as we can. But somebody who was supposed to speak life to this person, spoke death. And I think a lot of us in here today have had those voices in our ear, and we have those voices in our thoughts. There's a lot of us in here today that our voices have voices. That we go through life and at one given time we knew the direction that we needed to go and and at a given time we knew exactly what it was that we were supposed to be doing and at a given time we knew directly where the cross was. We could see it so clear. We heard the voice of Jesus in our head and we heard the voice of Jesus telling us, hey, this is the direction to go. This is what you need to be doing. And all of a sudden, there's a a, a tide shift and there's something that changes. To where there's something that you did in your life, whether it was yesterday, last week, last month, or seven years ago. And those voices begin to play in your head and it hits rewind and play, and rewind and play, and rewind and play. Or there's those individuals in your life that just can't let enough be enough. There's the individuals in life that always want to constantly hang over your head what you did wrong. And we go through life thinking to ourselves, you know what, I'm just a mistake. I'll never amount to anything. My my days are behind me. My future is behind me. The best days that I ever lived are behind me. You know, I'm I'm just going to stay a drug addict. I'm just going to stay a divorcee. I'm just going to stay this or that. And the voices go over and over and over and over again. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus is life. Jesus only speaks life that the enemy and the devil want to use anyone and any person in any given time to let you know how much of a failure you are, but that is not true. Jesus loves you. He created you in the very image and likeness of himself. That you are his son. That you are his daughter. That your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. You know, uh, last week I got a phone call. And I was driving down the road. I was actually driving back to Gainesville. And I got a phone call and uh Guy on the other end of the phone says, hey, bro, I just want to let you know that, um, that Jennifer just tried to commit suicide. And my heart broke. Because this girl had just completed a drug and rehabilitation program months ago. 
She went through and got her certificate in yoga, and she was able to start teaching classes and uh, training people and different things like that. I thought to myself, man, I was just with her two days ago. And two days ago, man, she was in her right right mind. She was so happy. She was full of life. She was full of love. She was so excited that she got her certification and she couldn't wait to start reaching people and helping people. What happened in two days? And I got home and I started talking with my wife and she got released from the hospital and we took her to breakfast one morning and as we're sitting down at the breakfast table, she began to cry and she began to just tell us what was going on. She said, you know what, Charles? She said, I just, I didn't know what to do. You know, I left our connect group on Monday and then on Wednesday, I was torn and I was tormented by all of these negative thoughts in my head. I kept thinking to myself, man, I'm never going to be anybody. I'm going to grow up just like my mother. I'm only going to marry someone like my father who's verbally and physically abusive. I'm never going to be looked at other than trailer trash because that's what I grew up as. That's who my family is. They're stuck in a, in a rut. It's something that I don't want to be. And so here I am on this day where all I'm thinking about is how much a failure I am and how trashy I am and, and I'm just an addict and I'm never going to get out of this. So I found myself in my bathroom with a razor blade in one hand and a Bible in the other hand. And I totally understand now what you mean by spiritual warfare because I'm sitting here on one hand with these negative thoughts and these, these deathly thoughts and the thoughts of the enemy just saying how much of a loser I am and how worthless I am. And I'm sitting here on my bathroom floor and I'm, I'm debating on do I end my life now because that's what my head is telling me. And then on the other hand, I have another thought and another voice in my head that is saying, hey, you are valuable and you are my precious daughter and that I love you and that please don't do this because there's so much in store for your life. I'm sitting there on my floor and I'm debating on what to do and then out of nowhere, my door gets kicked in. I had no idea what to do. And the girl that's in our connect group, she was trying to get in touch with me and she couldn't get in touch with me. And so she comes to the house and breaks in my house and kicks in the bathroom door and finds me here on the floor. And so she calls the police and has me Baker acted. And I want you to know that if that's you in here today and you are coming in this place today giving God one last shot or you are giving God one shot, and you're walking through life right now with voices in your head because of a situation that happened in your marriage, or there's a child that is running astray, or there's a job who is firing you, or there's a financial difficulty, or whatever it is. Man, God wants you to know that you are valuable to Him. That the voice that he is trying to relay to you is, hey, he loves you. He loves your marriage. He loves your sons and daughters. He loves you. He has got a plan. And I think the Bible paints a beautiful picture 
of what it means as a father who speaks life into a dead situation because what the world sees as dead, Jesus looks at it as living. And in Matthew chapter 9, I'm not going to read the, the whole passage, but in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is kind of in the beginning of his discipleship stages where he's recruiting people. He's actually talking to Matthew and he's saying, Hey, Matthew, follow me. And he's going kind of from town to town and he's healing people and he's, he's taking care of people and he's, he's really corralling the crowds and sharing the, the good news and speaking life into people. And he's sitting down having a conversation with religious leaders and as he's doing that, there's a synagogue leader who comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you can please help me. God, if you can please help me that my daughter has died and she's on her deathbed and, and she's been dead for hours and, and I don't know what else to do, but God, if you can please just help me. Jesus, being the man that he is, gets up and he begins to walk to this synagogue leader's house. And as he's walking to this house, he, he kind of can see in a distance. He's, he's coming down some trails and up a hill. And, and he looks and he sees a house with a crowd of people around it. And as he sees this crowd of people, he begins to pe hear people wailing and crying. He hears this music that is taking place of, of somebody as, a, as it's a funeral session. And he walks up to this house and he says, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Why are you, why are you looking at this situation as dead? The girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And the Bible says that those people laughed at Jesus and they mocked Jesus and said, what are you talking about? She's been lifeless and dead on this bed. She's dead. And Jesus clears the house and he clears the room and he walks in with some of his disciples. And, and I don't know about you, but I like to put myself in the Bible. I like to put myself in the story because I don't know what Jesus did. The Bible doesn't say this, but I think what Jesus did before anything else was he looked at a girl who was lifeless and dead, laying on a bed, and he begins to speak life to her. Baby girl. It's okay. I know this is all a bad dream, but I want you to know that I, I've got so much in store for your life. That those dreams that you had of doing things, the, the things that are going on, I want you to know that, that it can still happen. I have a plan for you. That I have a future for you. That you're going to grow up to do great things. And Jesus walks up to the bed and he grabs this girl who's been lifeless, grabs her by the hand, and lifts her up off of her deathbed and walks right outside in front of the very people who laughed at him, who mocked him, who said this girl has been dead, but what the world sees as dead, Jesus looks at it and says there is life in that. There is positive voices that are fighting negative voices. The devil wants you to know that you're a loser. He wants you to know that you're failures and that he wants you to know that what you did is wrong and you'll never be able to go to the king of kings. But what the devil does is he entices us and then he accuses us. 
He says, it's okay. You want to go be with another woman? It's okay. You want to be with another man? It's okay. And he feeds us these lies. You want to do these drugs? You want to drink this alcohol? It's okay. You want to take your life? It's okay. And as soon as we do it, we get to a place to where then he comes and he condemns us. And he says, how could you? Do you ever think that you'll ever be able to approach the throne? Do you think that Jesus will ever forgive you? Do you think that you'll ever amount to anything? How could you? But Jesus, he comes in and he says, you know what? We're going to get through this. I want you to know that today we're going to get through this. That I love you. I look at you no different. He says that yesterday is gone and today is a new creation. It's a new day. That all things old are passed away. That I don't hold your sins against you. But I want you to know that I love you. You are my son. You are my daughter. And we are going to get through this. So how do we get through those voices in our head that the world is screaming at us? Buy something new. Buy something lavish to make us feel better. How do we get through the voices in our head that are saying, hey, you're such a loser for what you did and you'll never amount to anything. How do we get through the voices in our head? Just put those drugs and put the alcohol in your body or just shack up with this person. How do we get through those voices? The first thing is this, is that we have to get passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. Because Jesus is passionate about his church. He's passionate about his house. He's passionate about his believers in the body. Because this is the thing, is that when we go through life, and we're having those voices in our head to where we can no longer press forward we can no longer see the call of God on our lives we can no longer see the cross we walk through life beat up and bruised and broken and defeated we can walk through the house in the church where we are surrounded by believers where we are surrounded by a community we're surrounded by a voice that is going to speak life into us we're surrounded by our C groups and our connect groups and the community. Why is that so important? It's because if that girl Jennifer was never in a connect group, if she never got plugged into the church, I don't know where she would be today. But because she got connected in the church and she got connected in a group, there was a girl who knew her situation and knew what she was walking through and couldn't get a hold of her. So this girl literally goes to her house, kicks her door in, and finds her on the floor trying to commit suicide. Get passionate about the house. Get passionate about church. Get connected in a C group. The next thing is that we have to worship and praise Him. Because when we don't have anything else to say and we don't know what to say, we know that we can worship our Heavenly Father. You know, in 2010, it was probably one of the hardest years of my life. 
2010, I, I lost my grandfather. I lost my father. I was in Haiti during the earthquake, and I saw more dead bodies than I ever want to experience in my life. Seeing kids' arms amputated with rusty hacksaws. And I got a divorce. And I remember that year was such a hard year for me because it was like my world was coming to an end. It was literally caving in on top of me. And I myself found myself sitting on the edge of a lake contemplating suicide, a pastor at a church, a guy who was going all over the world doing missions and doing all of these different things. I'm sitting on the edge of my disaster. And I'm sitting there and I'm writing out a letter and I'm, I'm saying, hey, I'm so sorry for what I've created. I'm so sorry for what I've done. I'm so sorry for all of this hurt and pain. And I was getting up to end my life. And I remember walking in this field, having these thoughts upon thoughts. And I literally, I looked down in the grass and I see a golf ball, a white golf ball. And this white golf ball, I started to hear the voice of God so clear. It says, Charles, just like this golf ball has nicks on it, this, just like this golf ball has dimples in it, just like this golf ball is all bruised and broken, I know that's where you're at in life, but I want you to know, just like this golf ball is white, that I want to clean you up. I want to renew you. I want to refurbish you. And I want to take you further than you've ever been before. I want to wash you as clean as snow. And I didn't know how to pray. But I remember at that moment, I began to lift my hands up. And I began to say, Jesus, God, you're a good, good father. God, you are a good, good father. Even though I don't know my future, even though I don't know what tomorrow holds, God, I love you, I praise you, I adore you, and I will give you my all. We have to worship our Heavenly Father when we know what nothing else to say. The third thing is that we have to serve others. Because when we are in life, we have a situation going on and there is so much happening on the inside of our life. We can put our mess and our uh, failures and our thoughts on hold and we can look at someone else that is going through something maybe harder than we're going through. And we can say, you know what? I'm going to go and serve this person right now. And when we do that, we begin to go from an inward focus to an outward focus and our problems are no longer as big as we think. Coastal community has such an amazing opportunity. They have everything lined out for you with connect groups, with worship, man, with serving. They're doing stuff all over this city. And it is so, so important that we are able to take the voices in our head and deliver them and get them out of our head and throw them away so that we can focus on the voice and the one that sees death as life.